Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This show is sponsored by Pharmacy Solutions, located in Michigan, who are licensed and can ship to 35 states. They specialize in pain management, support patients and providers in the use of LDN, bioidentical hormones, topical pain gels, sublingual tablets, veterinary compounding, and many unique proprietary dose forms. Visit PharmacySolutionsOnline.com or call the Patient Success Team on 877-797-6567. Today my guest is pharmacist Dr. Sahar Swiden from the United States. Thank you for joining us today, Sahar. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. You too. And as I say, it's been far too long. Could you tell our listeners about yourself? You know, what made you decide to get into medicine? You know, what was the the drive behind it? Well, I think that's an easy one. Ever since I was a, a baby, probably, or a little child, <laughs> I always remembered. I always wanted to be in the medical field and in medicine. And uh, I always loved helping people and helping people feel better, per se, on multiple levels. So I think that was easy and basically my destiny from the minute I was born. Um, And then um, I actually took the MCATs and I was going to medical school, was accepted into medical school. And I met a colleague of mine who said, oh, you need to look at pharmacy. It's really interesting. you know, a huge variety in it, different, you know, um, career paths and things like that. And um, I always tease to this day, I go, I think uh, the admission counselor drugged me or something because literally I did a 180 degree turn. I went to pharmacy school. I was accepted in pharmacy school and I went to pharmacy school and dropped out of medical school per se. Um But anyways, regardless, it's been a great, rewarding career. Um, I had the pleasure. So I went to school at the the University of Michigan and graduated with my doctor of pharmacy degree from the University of Michigan. And I always loved teaching in academia and research. I've always been fascinated with that. So I stayed and continued to do a uh, to do a postdoctoral fellowship for three years in gastroenterology and biopharmaceutics. And during that world, um, my professor and my, um, my advisor basically fell in love with a French man, moved to Europe, 
And so we were doing a lot of clinical trials. So I had the pleasure of traveling to Europe a lot, to Germany and France and such, uh, to work with her on these projects. And that's where, honestly, I was first introduced to what I would call functional lifestyle medicine. They've used, you know, a lot more lifestyle uh, functional medicine, a lot of nutraceutical supplements and vitamins, which are much more regulated in Europe, as you guys know, than really they were here. And that's really what I kind of learned the other side of treatment. And I've just since then became really fascinated with it and took really a career path in uh, pain management and neurology, but definitely with a functional medicine approach to it and a holistic approach to it. Mm-hmm. So what, how would you say LDN has played a part in your career path? Um, so, you know, LDN and many other tools that I honestly, you, you, uh, learn along the way. I have the pleasure. I've, I've, I lecture and gab all over the world, as I always say. Um, so I always have the pleasure of lecturing with the most brilliant brainiac people, I call them, around the world. And you learn a lot of these neat and unique treatment tricks from them uh, and learning. So I learned a lot of, like I said, in Europe, nutraceutical functional medicine, the gut association and microbiome and probiotics. I learned that 25 years ago, literally from Europe, because as you guys know, you guys have them at the checkout counter at every counter there. And that's when I first like, hey, what is this Yokal stuff, you know, and, and <laughs> You know, and, and you learn about, you know, the role of microbiome and, and pain and inflammation and, and modulating the serotonergic system and brain health and gut health and all that good stuff. And so, you know, I first really learned about LDN um, when I was researching Dr. Bahari's work, because I, like I mentioned, I did a lot of pain management and neurology and um and I published a lot in that area, did a lot of research in that area. And so sometimes, you know, we're really stuck with some of our really more difficult patients. They come to us on huge amounts of opioids. And so I'm always like, you know, I was always researching for out-of-the-box thinking and out-of-the-box treatment modalities. And that's really what I ran across, you know, initially Dr. Bahari's work. And I started, I'm like, and I knew of naltrexone, obviously, because of my world, you know, pain world, if you will. So I've always knew about high dose naltrexone. And I'm like, hey, what is this low dose naltrexone? I'm like, well, that doesn't exist. So who's doing that? And then obviously, and, um, you know, we do a lot of compounding and I own a compounding pharmacy. And I'm like, oh, that's got to be a compounding treatment because it's low dose. And so when we, um, and and that's when I really started to come out along the research. And I started incorporating that into my teaching around the world, you know, because it was definitely one of the modalities I was teaching providers about low-dose naltrexone and the inflammatory modulation. And I always tease the more and more I learned about this type of medicine. You know, I, I tease our colleagues and say, you know, now we really have one medical specialty. And I just did a webinar uh, and I termed it inflammatology, the only medical specialty, right? Because we're really finding out that basically inflammation is the crux of all disease almost, you know, heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes and cancer and autoimmune illness and neurodegenerative disorders and psychiatry, you know, even now with depression and refractory depression and so on. So that's really when um, I came across Dr. Bahari's work in the inflammatory modulation. And, and really, I was 
very lucky and privileged to to work with Dr. Uh, Rosen. And we published some data literally probably, what, 18 years ago now, where we showed that people with chronic pain, they had elevation in TNF levels in the cerebrospinal fluid, but their TNF level systemically was normal. So back then, even 18 years ago, we documented local neuroinflammation in patients with chronic pain. And I said, oh my God, this will be a phenomenal treatment for them because it modulates, obviously, the immune system, and I'm sure it does it in the brain too. And that's really when I started to kind of um, tripped upon it. Definitely, we started using it in our patients um, to see the clinical effect and started teaching colleagues about it too. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, talking to all these people around the world, that the outcomes from prescribers that are using LDN? So definitely, you know, and I don't think anything works 100%, obviously, in anybody. I think what's neat about our functional medicine colleagues and the people that are looking at whole body medicine and physiologically based medicine, as as I'm talking about that, I think, you know, all the other treatment modalities that they kind of embody and educate and have patients do in addition to LDN, you know, we get phenomenal results, for example. And I mean, it was my friend, um, a colleague, he's a, he's a spine orthopod, um, you know, orthopedic doc. And he, you know, and he's, he's like, I'm almost going to cry. Cause I said, well, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely I would try LDN. And, and he's like, I'm going to cry. Cause this, this big, burly fireman, you know, whatever, who's been in pain, you know, had to quit his job, all that stuff. And he sent me this text. He's like, oh my God, this has been the missing link because we did a lot of other stuff, you know, from optimizing, um, you know, diet to gut health, to decreasing inflammation, to optimizing neuroendocrine stuff as, you know, especially in opioid patients, they really, that neuroendocrine system is very deranged, you know, and so we did a lot of all that good stuff that typically gets the patients, you know, maybe 80, 90% better sometimes. And then we said, hey, you know, I think let's see if we can just really realign his immune system now. So we did neuro, we did endocrine, and let's see if we can do immune, you know, resetting now. And uh, we tried that on him, and it was funny because he came in, you know, hugging and crying, mm. you know, the doctor, this big burly guy. He's like, oh, my God, this was absolutely the missing link, and now I'm 100%. So we definitely see these home runs, you know, all the time. So, I, you know, and I think it's definitely the success rate is much higher when we embody a full body treatment, physiological mm-hmm. medicine. I think sometimes what, what I tend to hear is like, well, it didn't work, you know, and it didn't help me in the LDN failures per se. But, you know, we always tell doctors and patients or providers, you know, it's it's hard to get a home run with LDN alone if there's so many things that are going against it to work, you know, if everybody's still drinking seven diet Cokes a day, eating all, you know, white and sugar and all that stuff, you know, smoking, you know, and, and gut derangement and dysbiosis and all that stuff that we know really deranges the body, you know, it's hard to work against that tsunami per se, mm, you know, yes. and, 
face inflammation where when we embody functional medicine approach, you know, fix the other systems, LDN in general has a very high success rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some people who are lucky enough not to have to do anything else alongside LDN, but they must be the people that do not have any other issues. But if you are eating incorrectly and you're not getting all the nutrients or having supplements that you need, etc., etc., then the LDN isn't going to work, as you say. And there are some people who contact me after a month of being on LDN and say, well, I might as well stop. You know, it's not doing anything for me. And it's not a magic pill, is it, where it's just going to go, hey, presto, (laughs) and and you feel fine. Well, we wish, right? But exactly. You know, but that's what I mean, what we tend to find in those failures. And you're right, you know, we, we get these lucky stories, you know, we're like, oh my God, my life is, you know, is a thousand percent. And and in those patients, I tend to see like, they were kind of on the right track, if you will. And this was Mm -hmm. the missing link, if you will. And it's like, boom, and boy, does it reset their life, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think this field of medicine is so rewarding to all of us. We get addicted to it, per se. but but absolutely, what I find is like when these people go exactly like you said, well, it didn't work. And I said, well, first of all, it really you want to give it at least three good to six month trial. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it depends. You know, and I always remind patients, well, you know, you've been sick for 20 years. We're not going to reset you in one month. You know what I mean? And so um, and sometimes I think it's expectation of patients like you. Right. Because, you know, they want just that magic pill hit reset and everything goes away. Um, But definitely you get those magical stories sometimes. But what we find always is if it's part of a, a logical treatment plan, even those failures literally turn into positives almost 95 percent of the time. Mm hmm. Yes. I mean, that that is what we find. And some people say that they have sleep problems or vivid dreams and many doctors get them to take the LDN in the morning, which stops that problem. Some might have some gut issues initially, but, you know, you can lower the dose, titrate it up slowly. And honestly, I think I have in... 14 years only known maybe a dozen people who couldn't tolerate it for some reason or another everybody else just by altering the dose lowering the dose increasing it very gradually have got used to LDN I mean have you heard of many people who you know can't tolerate it I'm honestly rare um you know, really, and like you said, sometimes we'll have people like you go, you know, I felt like I was more jittery or wired or the vivid dreams that you sometimes hear also. And and exactly switching it to daytime usually definitely really takes care of that, you know, and the other thing or, you know, taking it in the morning or just definitely starting much lower. Like, you know, right now, and I think that's a new field, what I'm calling or what we're calling, I think uh, us and some colleagues, ultra low dose naltrexone, right? Yeah. 
So like what we're beginning to use, like I just had a cancer patient who's a doctor actually, and non-believer in this world and whatever. And so I, you know, I've been like for a year begging them, like, try this, try that, look at the data, you know, and all this stuff. And, but, you know, so by the time he's like really sick, almost on the deathbed, you know, it comes to me, of course, that on a dilated pump now and lots of opioids and stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's just even do ultra lows, um, you know, ultra low dose naltrexone. We started him literally like at 0.1 milligram and we're slowly bringing it up. But it's very interesting. And I think that's another world that I honestly, we need to start studying more. But even sometimes at much lower doses like that, uh, and we tend to do that in our patients with on, on some opioids, obviously, because we don't want to put them through withdrawal and we do a lot of pain management. Um, you know, but we, we still get home runs, if you will, even on those low doses. So, and that's how we learned about that, honestly, was the patients that, oh my God, I can't tolerate this, or it wired me, or I couldn't sleep, but I had vivid dreams. And we're like, okay, well, let's start lower. And sometimes even like we would do 0.5 milligram, and they're like, it's still too much, or the opioid people, and we did like 0.1, and we slowly titrated, and it's like literally at that low dose, sometimes it literally turned people's lives around. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, that even at these low doses, um, it can it can modulate. But um, And I think the point is, as far as tolerability, it's literally one of the most tolerated treatments, honestly, that we use because it's fairly benign at the low dose. And like you said, you mainly get those vivid dreams or sometimes you'll hear from patients that are too wired. And I said, no, you're just wired backwards because this is supposed to come. (laughs) And, And so, you know, rarely we do have that in medicine where people have paradoxical reactions. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, amazing, isn't it? If there is a condition where there is an autoimmune component, a pain uh, element to the condition, LDN has a good chance of helping that patient. Yes. Yeah, and and you were cutting off. There was a little bit of communication, but, you know, absolutely. I think it, it tends to work. The interesting part, too, and I think that's the next world of science of LDN, it's very interesting, but we have, like, certain patient subtypes that we're calling, you know, because we use it tons clinically, um, where lower doses seem to work better for them. For example, the Lyme disease and the biotoxin patient, for whatever reason, one and a half milligram is too low, four and a half milligrams is too high, and most of them do so much better at the two to three milligrams. And it's very interesting. Like literally, if I see a three milligram or a two milligram dose on a patient, I could almost tell you, oh, you're a biotoxin Lyme disease patient. And it's very interesting. And actually my colleague that we use it a lot for Lyme and biotoxin, I told him we really should publish that because it's very interesting. There's so much you know, that I think we need to correlate between pain genomics, immunogenomics, and that kind of stuff. And I think there is, you know, in the the dreaded HLA subtyping, you know, that we kind of, that term that everybody coined now in people with biotoxin illness and, and Lyme disease, but probably in any other immune system, you know, they're just the kind that you're gonna trip their immune system easier per se. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. We, we do see these nuances 
in clinically in patients. And I think it'll be really cool to do like large cohort studies to see or epidemiological studies to see, hey, what's the happy dose for the patient type? Because we definitely see biotoxin, Lyme disease. And even just very interesting yesterday, a colleague of mine, he wants to use it for his son. And he says, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. He goes, I'm going to give him one and a half milligrams of LDN in the morning, three milligram at noonish, or, you know, and then, you know, three milligrams at bedtime. And I said, well, why are you starting A and using such high dose naltrexone? Because, you know, most of the clinical trials were done, obviously, with lower dosing. And he says, I don't know what it is because he's got like neuroinflammation from Lyme, you know, developed a lot of psychiatric you know, manifestations and, and that kind of things from neuroinflammation. And he says, because immediately when he, he took a one and a half milligram dose by mistake at, in the morning and he goes, it immediately stopped his twitches. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he started again and in the middle of the day, I gave him three milligrams and that stopped his twitches. So now I have him on TID dosing for mainly twitches and neuropsychiatric stuff. And I'm like, Wow, how fascinating, you know, and that's what I mean. This is all the stuff that I think we honestly need to study more, you know, and see, hey, what's the clinical implication or value there? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are quite a few doctors now that will prescribe double dosing to patients who have chronic fatigue syndrome because the patients found by taking the LDN in the morning, it gave them more of a buzz and energy boost. So by taking it again at night, they, sorry, so they would take it at night and they would have an energy boost in the morning, but then they seemed to flag so that they then took it in the morning as well, night and morning, and it gave them far more energy than just taking it once a day. Yeah, so that's what I mean, you know, because as you know, most of the initial trials, it was, you know, the once dosing at bedtime, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty limited to the four to seven ish milligram range, you know, Um, that's what I mean. So I think it'll be interesting. Is there value? Because, you know, Dr. Bahari's work mainly was always mainly at night and Mm -hmm. all that stuff and lactose free and all that stuff. But yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see is BID or TID dosing better? Is it better to split one and a half milligram TID, let's say, and then you get, you stay in the low dose range, if you will. And, you know, you're still at the four and a half ish, but it's split up, you know, TID because we know it also has a short half life, you know, Mm -hmm. the, at least the first the parent half-life, you know, and the, and the metabolite is a bit longer, but a little bit weaker. So, But most of these that I was saying about with chronic fatigue syndrome, if they were okay on three milligrams or 4.5, whatever dose suited them best, the doctor would then replicate that. So they were having it that dose twice a day. They weren't, they weren't halving it. So if they took three in the morning, they took three at night, four uh-huh. and a half, four and a half. But it would seem that, you know, everybody's an individual and everybody's condition is different. Man, woman, you know, <laughs> tall, right. well, tall short, cool. heavy. But it would seem yeah. that it's what dose suits you best. It's not the case of the higher the dose, the better the benefits. 
some people do genuinely feel better on, say, two milligrams, and that once they increase their dose, they don't feel as well. And once they drop back, they feel a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And that's the ones we see, like I said, you know, in those patients, like, you know, the, the Lyme biotoxin ones, for whatever reason, a lot of times, you know, we'll push them the usual one and a half, and then three, and then four and a half. And then, they, you know, a lot of them will say, God, I don't feel good, I'm going back. And then they go back to the three milligram, and they feel great again. Mm-hmm. And it's strange, isn't it? Because some people will say to me, how do I know if the dose is too high, what do you mean by you don't feel as good? Yeah, <laughs> but well, it, it, they know. Even, they know. even <laughs> that varies from patient to patient as, yeah. you know, how they feel. And it's very hard to explain. You will know, but how will I know? You know, just believe me, you, you will know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we tell them. Like, you're just going to feel as bad as we did before you started it, you know? Mm. <laughs> and then you have some people say... Um, for whatever reason, financial or uh, maybe having surgery or something and they want to stop LDN and they ask, you know, do I have to taper it off? Can I just stop? But I must admit, most people who have stopped taking LDN have forgotten how bad they were before they started and nine out of ten restart because they then realise the benefits that they were getting from LDN. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think a lot of times, well, because it's all relative, right? You know, and then like, or they feel better, but not as good as, you know, as they did as baseline per se. And then they're like, okay, well, I, I feel like 70% better, but like, I really want to feel 100% better. Mm. <laughs> You know, and stuff. So you definitely get a lot of that too. But, but you're right. A lot of times when they go, well, it's not doing anything. And, and that goes with some other treatments too, you know, and then they stop it and they're like, oh my God, that was doing something. <laughs> and then, they, then they go back on it. Exactly. Mm, it's uh, amazing. So if people would like to contact you, how would they do so? Yeah. So if they have any questions or, you know, email is, Probably the best thing because I travel tons around, you know, speaking and lecturing. I'm writing a book right now on opioid-free pain management. So definitely I'm going to be doing, obviously, a chapter on low-dose naltrexone and the benefits of it because it's definitely another tool in the shed for, you know, especially with the opioid crisis that's in the U.S., but really worldwide, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to teach providers other methodology for pain management besides you know, the NSAIDs and opioids. Um, so, you know, email that are welcome to email me at sswidan at umich.edu. And I also have a website, sahar.world. So that's easy. Um, so you can also find ways to contact me there and see some of the unique teachings and publications and things like that that I'm working on. So, yeah, sahar.world or sswidan at umich.edu. So just very briefly, we've just got literally two minutes left. Tell us a bit more about your new book that you're writing. 
So um, it's really, I look at it as a humanitarian effort. So I'm writing, um, so I'm going to be the, the editor with a colleague of uh, mine, Dr. Matt Bennett. We're going to be the editors for this book, um, Opioid-Free Pain Management. And our goal is to really find some of the best uh, outside-of-the-box thinkers in pain management uh, and have them write chapters on some of the different unique ways that they're using in their treatment algorithms uh, for pain management besides opiates. So I'll be writing a few chapters, so will Dr. Bennett, but we really want to also give the readership a flavor of all the unique things that's also um, some of our colleagues are doing around the country to really enhance and hopefully, hopefully abolish chronic pain you know, especially non-malignant chronic pain um, and teach them other ways to do this because we, we've known for many years that really opioids are not good treatments for chronic non-malignant pain and, and we really need to teach them, you know, physiologically based, holistic based functional pain management to really get the patients definitely most critically better feeling better, but also to stop some of the opioid issues that we have around the world, really, not just the U.S. Yes. So so this is kind of like our humanitarian effort to the world and pain management is we're kind of view, viewing it and calling it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing because a lot of the opioid medications, of course, are addictive yeah. and are not good for your organs either, are they? No, absolutely. You know, especially the ones with the, um, you know, Tylenol and the liver issues, non-steroidals, you know, are hard on your kidneys and gastrointestinal tract and stuff. And you know what? They're great. We need them in certain settings, especially, you know, if your body was just smushed to heck by, you know, by a semi-trailer or surgical or whatever. So absolutely, opioids are phenomenal because they really decrease pain and stuff, but for short term, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, exactly. so it's also teaching people appropriate use of these medications. And I think, you know, maybe there's a lot of, you know, fingers we can point. But again, the bottom line is we have to fix it. There's a problem. Uh, we have to fix it. But now, you know, uh, our providers, especially here, are very afraid of opioids and prescribing and what to do. But then what do you do with all these chronic pain patients, you know, in mm -hmm. fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and Lyme disease and biotoxin illness and chronic back pain and neurodegenerative disorders and, um, you know, bad hips, bad knees, bad, you know, as we get, you know, our population is aging more and more, too. So but, you know, the good news is there's tons of other ways to help patients. And now we just really have to do a huge, massive educational effort from the ground up, if you will, to really teach our colleagues some of these um, functionally based, physiologically based um, treatments for pain management. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us and good luck with the book. And once the book's published, maybe you'd like to come back and tell us all about your findings and what's in the book. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love that. And we'd love to, yeah, get it to your readership on the website just because I think it'll be a very invaluable tool for your readership and in, in our colleagues on the LDN Trust because a lot of times they're also dealing with chronic pain issues, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Linda. This show is sponsored by Pharmacy Solutions, located in Michigan, who are licensed and can ship to 35 states. 
They specialise in pain management, support patients and providers in the use of LDN, bioidentical hormones, topical pain gels, sublingual tablets, veterinary compounding and many unique propriety dose forms. Visit pharmacysolutionsonline.com or call the patient success team on 877 797 6567. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.